More than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. You guys are sort of all over the world, it seems like. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Here on Inspiration Dissemination. But there's actually photographs of this data set stretching over a much longer period of time. They're now converted into basically mathematical shapes, and we can now analyze the statistics of this shape. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. You're tuned in to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Lisa Hildebrand. And I'm Jenna Fryer. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students and postdoctoral fellows in over 80 different programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student or a postdoc at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration, where you can find out all about our up-and-coming guests and link to our Twitter and podcast pages. Inspiration Dissemination is recorded live, and today we are very excited to be joined by Paige Benson. Paige is a first-year master's student in the food science department, and we will be talking all about bitter cheese with her. Welcome to the show, Paige. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jenna. Thank you for having me. Woohoo! Stoked to have you and talk all about cheese. Right out the gate, what's your favorite cheese? Mm, I can't go wrong with a good brie. That's always a good one. Or blue cheese. You know, sprinkle that on a salad. Blue cheese. I think that is a controversial favorite cheese, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Trader Joe's has this mushroom brie in the fall. So good. good. (laughs) And for the next 35 minutes, we will be talking about cheese. (laughs) Get excited, folks. (laughs) Well, but actually, um, today we're going to be talking about how cheese can be bitter and why and what you're doing to to sort of help with that problem. Um, But I think um, before we get going on your research, to put it all into context for maybe those people that um, don't know much about how cheese is made, can you maybe talk us through the basic steps of, um, yeah, the the basic steps of how a cheese is made? Yeah, so cheese is made, uh, so you take your milk from from the farm, from the cow, and then you're able to uh, pasteurize it most times. And then you add in rennet, calcium chloride, your starter cultures, and that creates curds for the cheese. Then you start to um, put those curds into a form, and that makes the basic shape of your cheese. And then you press it extrude all the moisture out, eliminate that. You salt it in some sort of brine or just regular salt, and then it goes in for aging. So that can be anywhere from, you know, 15 to 90 days, dependent on the type of cheese. And so in your description there, you mentioned starter culture, which is very important to our um, upcoming discussion. Can you explain a little more about what a starter culture is? Yeah, starter culture is some sort of type of microbe that you add to the cheese for usually um, flavor development or acid production of the cheese. And so where in this process that you just described is the cheese at risk of becoming bitter? Usually during the aging process, but it's first started off with the types of starter cultures that you add. 
or that's where I'm looking at to prevent this bitter bitter taste in cheese. So are there specific types of cheeses that are more apt to be bitter than others? Like, is Gouda more susceptible than cheddar, or is it just kind of overall, like, this is a cheese-wide problem? <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen research papers anywhere from Parmesan to Gouda to cheddar. It's mainly focused on the aging process, and that's where we're thinking comes this bitterness problem. And so all the cheeses you just mentioned are mostly hard cheeses. And so obviously hard cheeses, uh, am I right in thinking that they're aged longer and therefore maybe there's this association between more bitterness and maybe, or more hard cheeses are prone to be more bitter? Uh, not necessarily. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, the ones that I'm specifically interested in are, are Gouda and Cheddar. And so you, you mentioned that this... Um, bitterness problem has been sort of known for for a while um but we don't quite know what the exact cause of the bitterness is so um can you take us through a couple sort of hypotheses or theories that different people have about what exactly is causing the bitterness yeah some past research that i've looked into are yes the starter cultures Otherwise, some external like milk factors, whether it's the pH or other endogenous um, enzymes that are in the milk already. Otherwise, the addition of salt, like different types of salt and salt concentration. Um, those are some of the main ones that are looked over and over again. So since cheese is not always made in a lab by scientists, most of the time it's not. <laughs> uh, what has been like the main way that people in industry have like tackled this? Because I'm assuming it's not a problem that has spurred up in the last couple of years and that has kind of more historically had methods of avoidance. Yeah, a lot of times they have certain sensory panels that uh, take samples of their cheese makes and those go for these panels, analyze them, especially for bitterness and overall flavor development of the cheeses. Oh, so rather than trying to like prevent the bitterness, what industry is doing is just kind of screening, making sure the cheese isn't bitter and then weeding out bitter cheeses. Exactly. Mm. And that's where the partnership between industry and research really comes into play. It's like sometimes industry doesn't have the funds or the time to really focus on this problem. That's why they partner with the university or, you know, research students like us. Um, to tackle this problem and see what we can come up with. Mm. Enter Paige. <laughs> knock, knock. Here I am. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, and so your research is um, focused sort of on, on the starter cultures, but also specifically peptides. So can you tie peptides into this whole story for us. Yes, I can. <laughs> so um, casein is one of the major proteins in milk and casein is or it stays in the cheese um, while whey and other milk proteins are eliminated. And when starter cultures kind of get a hold of this casein, they can't break down it because of um, because it's such a large protein molecule. So mm -hmm. that's where they have specific proteolytic enzymes to break it into smaller peptides. And if those you know, smaller peptides, which are linked to bitterness, are not degraded further into amino acids, then they can create the bitterness um, if they aren't degraded further. And then people taste the bitter peptides. Mm. At least that's what's hy hypothesized. 
And for the most part, people are not looking for bitter cheese. Mm, I don't think so. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there might be a market for those of us that can't taste yeah, it. Right, that's, true. Right. that's true. Just like smoky wine. <laughs> <laughs> bitter cheese and apple. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> With a sweet, sweet apple, maybe yep. it works. <laughs> right. So how does one look at peptides? Because obviously you can't just look at a piece of cheese and be like, this is what peptides are in it. So what are the methods that you use to be able to analyze what type of peptide profile? Yeah, for my peptide extraction, it's basically um, taking my cheese, putting it in water, heating it up, taking the water-soluble extract, which holds your peptides, and then doing some sort of solid phase extraction and running that through an LCMS. So basically separating all those peptides to see what individual peptides are in, in my sample. Mm. What's an LCMS? LCMS is um, kind of this machine that you put samples in and it separates each individual compound that you're looking for. Oh, cool. And you can partner um, your results to a database to see what exactly um, you have in your sample. Hmm. Cool. I'm not a lab person at all. So, <laughs> um, so you, you just mentioned my cheese. Um, tell us a little about your cheeses because you're not making your typical, you know, sort of blocky cheese that we see in the supermarket. No, I'm starting to make little tiny, um, <laughs> cheeses in 50 milliliter conicals, um, just so that we're able to reproduce uh, samples over and over again, and we're able to have lots of variability in which starter cultures we're looking at. Baby so, cheeses. Very, very fun. <laughs> a, pl- a plug for the blog here mm. of if you go to our blog site, you can see pictures of this very, very cute cheese. Yeah, mm-hmm. blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration <laughs> for pages baby cheeses. <laughs> Bitter baby cheeses. <laughs> they sound so cute. Right? <laughs> they are adorable. Like, can think you, of a penny size. Yeah, and then, like, with a, like with an angry, mean face, because it's oh. all bitter. <laughs> oh, great visual. I think that t-shirts need to be. Uh, I think so, too. Maybe stickers as well. <laughs> it's all about the merch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Do you have what are what's your hypothesis? Do you think it's like, oh, it's the amount of peptides in in the cheese that causes the bitterness or it's this very specific combination of these peptides? What what's your running theory right now? My theory is that the starter cultures, um, they have certain peptidases and proteases that can break down casein and even break down these bitter peptides. And if you just have a single starter culture, sometimes it lacks some of the enzymes to break down these peptides. So if you combine the starter culture, two different starter cultures together or three or four, then they're able to work synergistically to break down these bitter peptides. And did you come into, you're obviously in the Department of Food Science, and so there's lots of um, foodie things happening. Of course, (laughs) always. Did you already know how to make cheese coming into this? Or was it like, okay, I'm going to study this thing. Let's learn how to make cheese first. Yeah, in the past, I've done some home makes of my own feta or mozzarella and even my own yogurt. So Mm. I've had a little background in cheese making and yogurt making. But how how and how much of it is like oh this isn't really quite the consistency that like a gouda should be let me go knock on the door of all the other food science grad students <laughs> see if anyone else makes cheese or is it 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, there's another grad student um, who I'm working pretty closely with. She's making larger scale Gouda. Mm. So I've been able to take a lot of ideas from her nice. and see how she makes her cheese. So that's been really helpful and really fun to collaborate. And then your um, obviously a large part of, of your research will be to do um, the sequencing of the genomes of, of what you're um, extracting from from the cheese to look at the bitterness um, and the peptides and the uh, yeah the peptide profiles so is that something that you will be doing um, or something that gets done somewhere else I'll be doing most of the like whole genome um, extraction and then on campus we have a sequencing lab that I'll be able to run my my DNA samples uh, with their help Super nerdy. Yeah, super I fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's always so interesting the ways that grad school can sort of lead you and, and the things that you get to learn and explore. Um, well, it's definitely interesting as most people don't think you do genome sequencing on anything other than animals, let alone cheese. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or like, yeah. I mean, what's, been, humans, what's yeah. been fun about this project is like I'm able to kind of dabble in so many different areas and, you know, get a taste of, you know, microbial side and then peptidomic side and then a little bit of sensory here mm -hmm. and there mm -hmm. and a little bit of cheese making. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's also it's so interesting. It's um, I really liked how you described that sort of bridge between industry and research. I thought you 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 said that really well. And so is there also um, an opportunity for you during your grad school time here to sort of physically or personally bridge that gap like to talk with people from industry about it at all or is it more like you're putting out the research and then hoping it'll be applied or used in some way yeah there's opportunities for me to go to different conferences mm. and share not only my knowledge but hear what other people have been doing and possibly um, seeing or touring different uh, creameries or places that make cheese um, over my next year year and a half as a master's student so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel like food science is a place where you um, where that connection is maybe more natural. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying that and that's not actually true. Yeah. Well, it's also nice that we have a creamery just here on campus. Right. So true. We now have a house expert on how to make sure none of our cheese is bitter. Exactly. Beaver Classic is very good. It's good cheese. Sold at the farmer's market, which mm -hmm. is back. Spring farmer's market is back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like that booth. <laughs> um, but Paige, you have been surrounded by dairy for um, a whole long time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pre OSU, um, dare I say infancy. Yeah. Because you are a Minnesotan. I am a Minnesotan. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> um, lots of dairy um, out there in the Midwest, um, particularly also within your family because your grandparents owned a dairy farm. Yep. They, so my grandparents, they had a dairy farm and then they converted to beef. So I've been surrounded by farming. I even in high school was an organic farmer for a little bit. And that's kind of where my love of food and connection to the earth has, you know, kind of expanded. So you went to college at the University of Minnesota and you went in as a food science major, which is not something that everyone does. So 
did you like find it in high school or was it just kind of through these different areas or did you just kind of look at a major list and be like, yeah, that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, during high school, I got really interested in making my own crackpot Greek yogurts and I loved chemistry and I loved science and I loved cooking. And when I was looking for possible undergrad majors, um, my dad found food science and I looked at, you know, the little blog or the little blurb of it, mm. um, read it and I'm like, it sounds like me. I'm going to go for it. Food <laughs> science, sign me up. <laughs> and so I've been been in there ever since, and I love it. And it was already in, in during your undergrad at the Univer- University of Minnesota that you um, got to have sort of a taste of what food science research is because you did an undergraduate project there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was able to work for a PhD student on plant-based proteins and seeing where the beanie flavors come in um, during the pea extraction process. So that was really interesting. Got to work with some really cool tools and methods. And then during um, my second year of undergrad research, I was able to conduct my own research on pea patties and grilling them and where um, different flavor components come when you grill those pea patties because there was no research done beforehand Hmm. about that. And was that from a... um like panel tasting perspective or from like a chemistry side of it? Like, how are you evaluating that? Yeah, so that was more of like me developing the method for Mm. my master's student who used that method for her master's. Um, But then I did some initial work with a GCMS, which is a gas chromatograph uh, mass spec, and Mm. you're able to analyze the flavor compounds Mm. um, and their volatile compounds, so... Was there anything cool found from that? I know that I am a heavy consumer of pea protein mm. alternative patties. Mm. So, um, just like some, like I think beanie, more of like your beanie grassy flavor compounds. So nothing super interesting. <laughs> they like, ooh, yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, is pea protein the like main uh, meat alternative that they use for things like patties and like ground? quote unquote beef it's more allergen friendly since like soy might be more used and like kind of recreates meatiness a little bit more Mm. he is uh, more allergen friendly yeah pea's good and i know they're using a lot of chickpea Mm -hmm. as well Mm. and some mung bean um Mm. just for different protein properties yeah Makes sense that it tastes beany then. <laughs> I guess. Fine. You're working with a bean. <laughs> um, and what, what led you here to, to OSU? Go Beeps. <laughs> um, I was looking for a grad program. I knew I wanted to do something along the lines of fermentation science. Mm. And Oregon State, I've never been to the Pacific Northwest. You know, they had a great program. They had a project, had some funding. And I'm like, sure, sign me up. Might as well. It's just two years. <clears throat> so... Yeah. And I've loved it ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, grad school, you got to, to a certain extent, follow the money and yeah. make those smart choices. Well, and got to explore too. Yeah. Got to get out of Minnesota for a little bit and <laughs> see what else the world has to offer. So what's your favorite thing about the Pacific Northwest versus Minnesota? Mm, I love being close to the coast mm. and all the opportunities to hike. Like you can be 15 minutes from a great hiking spot anywhere. So that's really fun. 
Minnesota's more flat? Yeah, question mark. Definitely okay. more okay. flat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good hiking by Lake Superior and Duluth, mm. but not to the extent there is here. Mm. And so looking a little bit into the future, um, I know you and Jenna talked about this a little bit in in the pre-interview. Um, you're getting super into microbes. Um, I don't know if that was something you expected to get into so much in your master's, but that's it sounds like that's sort of where you're maybe interested in heading or going yeah. more into. Yeah, possibly. I mean, working with future dairy industries, otherwise doing some microbial quality work. Um I'm just trying to keep all my doors open and see what the world has to offer. Yeah. Well, I know that we chatted a little bit more about a unique opportunity <clears throat> that you're going to have this summer taking your cheese abroad. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what? that? Bitter baby cheeses go abroad? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Put that on a t-shirt. Um, yeah, so I'll have the awesome opportunity to work in Stuttgart, Germany at the University of Hohenheim. Um, my, my home country. Yes. <laughs> and do some research there with PhD students and also on my own research. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. So kind of transplanting your current project and doing it there and working with different collaborators and things like that? Yeah, yeah, trying to get, you know, different techniques or anything else I could use in my own project. That's such a cool opportunity. It was, is that something that's, like, pretty common in the food science department to take, like, a summer to go somewhere? No? No, it's not. Um, I just knew that I hadn't had that opportunity during my undergrad mm. and because of COVID, didn't travel. Uh, yeah. And so school is a great opportunity to learn, go abroad, study somewhere else. And so I've pulled the strings and try to put it all together and make it work. That's awesome. Do you speak German? Yes. Oh, uh, I do. okay. Maybe we'll speak some German after the show. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. Stuttgart is beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's going to be great. So what are you looking forward to like most over this next like year or so of your research? I'm really looking forward to making more of my little bitter baby Bensons. <laughs> Oh my God, we've got it. Bitter baby Benson. Yes. yes. So looking forward to that. Um, and definitely getting some results from from my research and my experiments. That's always the exciting part mm -hmm. and like the 1% that like keeps you going forward. You're like, I, I got something. <laughs> I know all grad students who are listening understand the, the, the grueling journey that is grad school for that one, 1% of glory. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, you're only, you're only in, on the, in the start of your third term. So yeah, well, it goes by really quickly. It really I does. think we You're all right. understand that. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, one other, I feel like a question Jenna asked you in the pre-interview, what's your favorite microbe? <laughs> mm, there's so many good ones out there. Um, we got some really cool panabacillus that when it grows, it kind of creates this like spiral form. Otherwise, you can't go wrong with like a streptococcus thermophilus or lactococcus lactus. You know, they just make delicious cheese. Okay, just your run-of-the-mill mm -hmm. cheese microbes. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Some good cheese, good yogurt. Yep. Just those workhorses of the dairy. They are, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes overlooked. <laughs> Do you find that you're still, now that you've started, because um, you mentioned that you're you know, making like feta and some yogurt um, and things like that at home, are you, now that you're, your work is to make cheese, do you still feel drawn to making that stuff at home? Or when you get home, you're like, I can't wait to just cut into a block of Tillamook. 
<laughs> I think because I don't have much time, I'm not able to Fair. do okay. that. <laughs> but it does spike my interest to get into other cheese mm. types and, and make different cheeses. Um, and maybe I don't focus my my personal time into cheese making because I already do that work. Mm-hmm. But I love cooking, so maybe it's different recipes instead of uh, cheese minks. Fun. <laughs> um, all right. I think we've slowly gotten to the end of our show. Paige, we've laughed so much today. <laughs> we have. I love it. And I'm so glad that we've workshopped this name. Um, yes. Oh, my gosh. I've already forgotten it. Bitter, Bitter baby, baby Benson. Benson. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. You should get, yeah, t-shirts stickers made, coming hats, soon. stickers. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. We got to trademark it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so on Inspiration Dissemination, we have three traditions. Um, and the first is that we ask you what your favorite thing about your research is. Hmm. This is such a tough one. There's so many awesome things. Um I would say I really love learning about the cheese making process and about the different industry opportunities that there are out there. And also, I'm just really grateful for the entire food science program and all of us grad students. It's really fun. We all come in with our different works and master's projects and Ph.D. projects, but we're all able to help each other out. So it's a great group of people. And that's been really fun. Well, our second tradition is to ask for a piece of advice. This can be for anyone, an undergraduate, your former self, fellow grad students. So what would your piece of advice be? It's okay if your project and things change. Hmm. You know, you then develop skills of flexibility and adaptability, which are important uh, life skills. So it's okay if things change. Yeah, that is excellent advice because I think... We all go in being like, this is my perfect project and this is what I want to do. And then things fall apart and it's more common than you think. Yeah. I know my dissertation has changed, I think, four times in the past month. So, mm-hmm. Jenna, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our final tradition is that uh, you get to pick your own outro song. So uh, tell listeners what you picked and if there's a reason, tell us why. Um, and if it's just because it's a great song, that's great, too. I'd say Boogie Shoes, and it's just a great song, and I love to dance to it. It really is. When you sent it in the email, I was like, I can't wait to jam out (laughs) in the booth to this one. (laughs) Paige, this has been so much fun. Um, So many laughs. Thanks for coming on the show. Maybe come back and tell us what you find with the bitterness, how we all can avoid bitterness in our own cheeses if we're cheesemakers. Um, And with that, uh, here's Paige's song. We have Boogie Shoes.
Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KBVRID. This theme music was performed by the OSU Drumline and the intro jingle was created by Olin Haman. Special thanks to the supporting staff at KBVR that allow the show and podcast to be possible. This show was started by Jean Kamvar and Joey Hulbert in 2012. To learn about our current hosts, other graduate students at Oregon State, or if you want to be part of the show, visit our website at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration. Thanks again for listening and stay curious, my friends.